0: You know, sometimes we 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 do uh, like New Year's resolutions. When the new year comes around, we try to say, "I wonder what I'm going to do this coming year." And you know, we we set goals for ourselves, you know, only to lo- you know lose track of them around February 1st. But this year, I was thinking maybe what we should focus on is what does God want. And that's what I want to talk about today. What is it that God wants? What would He what would He want from us? And as I was just praying about that. I was reminded of the scripture where Jesus said the Father is seeking people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And wouldn't it be a great blessing to the Lord if if we were those people in the coming year, people who were worshipers of God, worshiping in spirit and truth. It's what he's looking for. It's what he wants. What his his heart is for that. And so for me to say, "Hey Lord, how about in this In this new year, I set my heart to be a blessing to you, to be the kind of person that you're seeking after. So Matthew 4, verse 8, we'll open up there, and let me just say a quick word of prayer. Father, open your word to us. Teach us by your spirit, Lord. You are the the author of this book. You've given us words that would be meaningful to us in this life, that would challenge us, that would... Change us. And Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would use the pages of Scripture today and by your Spirit to bring about change in all of our hearts. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it says there, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will just fall down and worship me. You know, to me, if Satan is looking for worship, it must be a pretty powerful thing. I mean, Of all the things that Satan would want, he's asking Jesus to fall down and worship him. The Bible teaches us that Satan used to be at the very throne of God. He would have seen, you know, what we sang about today, all the the millions of angels falling down and Saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord. I mean the praise and the worship of God is so powerful. and if there's if there's one thing that Satan would want is to pull that away from from God and bring it to himself, to somehow be lifted up in praise. I believe that God has made human beings with a, like an inherent desire to worship something. We all worship something. You, you may not realize that. It might be the Beatles, it might be... Justin Bieber, it might be, I don't know who people worship these days, but it, it's, it's something that we hold in our lives in such a way. I mean, it's, it, it captures all of us as a, as a person. It captures our imagination, our, our desire, our devotion. And, and God has put that within every one of us to worship something. And wouldn't it be awesome if we could realize that the, the only thing worthy of our worship is our Lord Jesus Christ. And anything else that we put in that place is is nothing less than idolatry. It's putting something else in place of this this high place that only Jesus deserves. And so Satan is desiring worship. He said, all these will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written... I love that Jesus always points to the scripture. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. That's the heart of Jesus. He he, he gave this scripture to Satan to remind him that God is the only one we should ever worship. He is the only thing, the only person, the only entity that should ever be worshiped. All the universe, in a sense, worships God. You know, the The birds cry out, and the rocks can cry out, and the stars give glory unto him. It's it's us human beings who's been given this free will that choose to turn our worship elsewhere. We're the the greatest of all creations. And and if anybody should be giving praise and worship unto God, it should be us, his highest of creations, the ones who have understanding, who have wisdom, who have a soul, who have an understanding, an imagination... Of all all the creation, we've been made in his image, and we should worship him, and yet we're the ones who turn our devotion elsewhere. Worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. You know, um, the word serve is uh, sometimes the Greek word there is actually the same word as worship. Worship and serve are are linked together in the Bible. Twenty-nine different times that phrase is used, worship the Lord and serve Him, worship and serve. And the point of that is that we serve the thing that we worship. It's just a natural flow. We're, we're, we're linked. Our heart, our soul, our mind, our, our devotion is linked to the thing that we worship, whatever it might be. And if our devotion is to the Lord, if our worship is to Him, then the serving of God comes hand in hand with that. The definition of worship is to worship or to bow down. It's like like to have this reverence, this awe of God, where you would fall down at His feet and worship Him. It is an attitude of reverence to give homage or to be in submission. And I I think the point I want to make about that is, is that worship is much more than just singing it's a posture of the heart that that puts this worth to god in such a way that i just i can't do anything but just bow in homage to our lord jesus christ another way it's translated it it, it means to kiss the hand that sounds strange doesn't it it says it's like a dog licking the hand of its master you ever had a dog that comes up and just licks your hand? I mean, in a way, that's what we are going to be like to Jesus. I mean, it sounds weird in a way, but it's like the dog is sitting there awaiting the pleasure of the master, awaiting the command of the master, whether he says go or run or sit. He, he's just there. You know, you, if you've had a dog, you understand this heart, that the dog is just all about you. His eyes are on you. He's excited when you come home. You know, it's just a beautiful, a beautiful creation God's given us in these dogs. And it's, it's, to me, it's really interesting that one of the definitions of worship is to, to lick the hand like a dog would. Do you see yourself sitting at the feet of Jesus, licking his hand, in a sense, waiting, waiting for his command, waiting for his call? And that's, in a sense, what worship is. It's that, it's that heart of reverence to the Lord that I don't have anything better to do than to be here and to listen to you and you tell me what you want me to do. And I give you my life. Romans 12 seems to indicate that worship is really the dedication of our body to the Lord. It's not Again, it's, it's more than just singing a song. It, it is a, the a commitment of our entire being to be in the will of God. In John 4, um, Jesus came to a woman who's at the well. She was a Samaritan who was the enemies of the Jewish people. It was, really, it, it was really unusual for Jesus to be speaking to her because it wasn't really culturally sound for a man to speak to a woman or for a Jew to speak to a, to a Samaritan. So he was kind of breaking some cultural norms to spend time actually ministering to this woman. But he sat down and began to talk to her about getting some water. And he he said he was thirsty. Can you give me something to drink? But what Jesus was really interested in was her soul. You know, he he was using that need in his life to open up a conversation. But he was interested in her spiritual well-being more than he was getting a drink of water. He came to see this woman. And he had this conversation with her about worship later on in the conversation. So I want to pick up in verse uh, 13. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water, the water you're pulling up out of the well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. I mean, you're going to have to come tomorrow and next week and next year. Every day you got to come and get more water, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Have Have you experienced that with Jesus? I hope you have, that you've You've tasted of the Lord in such a way that your thirst is gone. He said, you will never be thirsty again. I don't have to look anywhere else for satisfaction in this life. I found it in Jesus. I'm not looking for meaning. I'm not looking for, you know, anything. As we were worshiping today, I I was reminded of the day I got saved, and I still remember what it was like when Jesus brought me out of the darkness into his glorious light. And on that day, my life was satisfied. There's nothing more that I need. You will never thirst again. The water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I mean, what a blessing to to know that because of Jesus, we have eternal life. That living in this world, we know there's an end to that. All of us are going to die one day, but there's this eternal life given through Jesus Christ. And and we have the hope for that and an anticipation and excitement, even looking forward to that day. But the woman said, sir, give me this water. I mean, wouldn't you want some water where you would never have to thirst again? She's thinking just in the natural. Give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here anymore. (laughs) I I don't want to keep coming here every day. Give me some of that water. And so Jesus said, go call your husband. And you wonder why in the world, in the middle of this conversation about drinking this water and never thirsting again, would Jesus say this? Go call your husband and come here. And the woman said, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. See, what's Jesus after here? Well, I I think you're going to see in just a few minutes, Jesus is after truth. See, we who worship God worship in spirit and truth. And so Jesus is, is focusing in on the true condition of this woman's heart. She wants to argue about places of worship. You know, she goes on, she tries to deflect the conversation, like we often do when he starts honing in. Oh, I perceive you're a prophet. Oh, our fathers worship on this mountain. Do The Samaritans worship someplace else. But you say in Jerusalem is a place where people should worship. So there's a, You know, argument here about where to worship. Is it in Jerusalem or is it on our mountain? We say it's here, you say it's there. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. See, Jesus is is basically saying to her, look, it's not about the place. It's not about Jerusalem. It's not about here. It's about something more. It's about the condition of your heart. It's not about the place. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers... See, underline that right there. True worshipers, because you could really be a worshiper but not be a true worshiper. The true worshiper's will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father, look at what it says there, he is seeking such people to worship him. What is God looking for? He's looking for this. He's looking for true worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth. And so he's he's talking to a woman who was worshiping, maybe worshiping on this mountain, maybe feeling like we're better than the Jews because we worship on this mountain. You say it's down there. We believe it's up here. So she was worshiping in some sense of the word. But what Jesus does is he he removes all that external stuff. He says, hey, call your husband. See, he's, he's drilling down on the truth of her heart because I want you to worship me in spirit and truth. See, I want it to be, from what's happening here, not not what's happening out here. that's what God is seeking. He, he's seeking for people whose hearts are truthful toward Him. I didn't say perfect, I said truthful. To be able to stand before the Lord with our hearts fully exposed and to say, "Hey, Lord, you know what? I'm struggling in this area, or there's this area I have in my life I want I want you to help me with, or, or whatever it may be. But we're coming to the Lord with a truthful heart. We're not not trying to cover. We're not trying to hide. We're not trying to just be out here worshiping when our heart is someplace else. That's what Jesus is after. It's not about this building. It's not about any building on a Sunday morning. It's about the heart. And so even though it seems like a strange question that Jesus would ask, this is what he's doing. He's uncovering the heart of this woman. And he's trying to show her that the worship I'm looking for, the worship the Father is seeking, has to do with your heart. And wouldn't you want to give that to Jesus this year? I do. I mean, that's what the Father is seeking. In Matthew 15, Jesus answered, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? He's talking to these Pharisees. Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And so he, did, he explains here. He says, God commanded you to honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. So he's, he's talking about a command that God gave. Honor your mother and father. Now, they had a tradition... That, and, and I'm sure it was convenient to the Pharisees, that if you had money and, and you were supposed to really help your parents, you know, they get older, you as a kid, you have some money, help your parents out, give a gift to your children, your, your parents, I mean. Well, if you, would, if you would come to the Pharisees and say, I'm giving this money as a gift to God, which meant basically the Pharisees get it then you don't have to give to your parents anymore. And so they were, they were elevating this tradition above the command of God. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He said, God commanded you to honor your father and mother. Whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father and mother what you would have gained from me is given to God. See, we're not, we're not going to give you the money. We're going to give it to God. And Jesus is saying, hey, Keep the commandment. Honor your parents. You know, but you've elevated this tradition above God's command. And if a person says he's going to give it to God instead of his parents, he need not honor his father. And so, for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. See, we can take the commands of the Lord, and for the sake of our tradition, or maybe some other reason... Justifying not not walking in obedience to what Jesus is calling us to do. And so Jesus then really equates that whole concept I just shared with you with worship. He says, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, Jesus talked about worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. To me, it, when he speaks of spirit, it's, it's, it's my heart. It's that, that inner core part of me that's being touched by the Lord. You can honor God with your lips, but have a heart that's distant. See, what he's after, what he's seeking, has to do with the, the condition of our heart, isn't it? It's not just the words we say. It's not just coming in here on a, on a Sunday morning, hey, I'm going to sing the songs with all the people. That's beautiful, and, and I love when we do that. That's a, that's a part of worship. But what he's looking for is what's going on inside of your heart here today. Where's your heart? And, it, and if Jesus is coming to you during worship and he's saying, you know, go oh, call your husband or whatever he might say to you, what's he after? He's after truth. He's after truth in the inner parts. He wants us to be able to stand before him with our heart fully his and truth being exposed before him and worshiping him from that standpoint. Because I think it's easy to see from these two examples that it's easy to go through the motions of worship without really being a true worshiper in spirit and in truth. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honor me with their lips. Can you imagine how God felt about that when when all these people were honoring God with their lips, saying the right things, but as he looked deeper into the heart, it just wasn't there. He said, your heart is far from me. And then he says, in vain do they worship me. See, it, it goes way beyond the outward. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so we see here in this verse that our worship is very much linked to our obedience to God's word. If we want to be a worshiper of God, it's linking our obedience. It's linking our heart of serving him. That's part of it. And then... Finally, these couple verses. Psalm 51. This was written by King David. And it was written after David had committed terrible sin. He committed adultery with another man's wife. And then he conspired to have the man executed, killed, so that it could be covered up. There was lies. There was deceit. There was treachery. All this to cover up this sin. But, you see, the Lord was after the heart of David. And so he confronted him. He brought a prophet to him one day. And the prophet told him the story. He said, hey, you know, there was a guy in our country here that had tons of sheep. And there was another guy that just had one. And the guy that had all these sheep decided to go and steal the sheep from the other guy. And David said, kill the man. He knew it was wrong. And that was his own judgment. And the prophet said, you are the man, David. That's you. You stole. You had all kind of sheep, and you stole the sheep of another man. And David was so broken because, see, what happened there, it, it's probably one of the most beautiful things that could ever have happened to David in his life, in that he was, he was asked a question just like Jesus did. Go get your your husband. The Lord brought truth to him. He he said, hey, you are the man. What are you going to do with that, David? What are you going to do when this truth comes into your heart? And this is is his answer. Psalm 51 is David's answer when when his heart was exposed before the Lord and truth, truth came to him, and it was a heart of worship. Here's, I just have a couple excerpts here in Psalm 51.6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? I mean, Saul also sinned, and Saul was confronted by his sin, but he, he denied it. Instead of letting the truth reign, he still wanted to cover it up. He still wanted to justify it. No, oh, no, no, I did what the Lord commanded But not David. When when truth came to him, he said, you're right. I am the man. And then he began to pour out his heart to the Lord to say, hey, Lord, change me. Cleanse my heart. Make me new. Create a right spirit within me. See, he was was getting himself back to this place where he could be a true worshiper. where, Where it wasn't just going through the motions. But it took this, I don't know, this... Barrage of truth. And I thank Jesus. I mean, I, I tell you, I don't know how many people in this world love Psalm 51. It's been so refreshing and so restorative. I'm sure in many people's lives, but it's because David was, was willing to hear truth and to say, hey, I'm willing to acknowledge the truth because I want to be, be right before God. I want to I be a true worshiper. Who worships in spirit and truth? I want to be able to stand before the Lord when I, when I lift my hands as an evening sacrifice, when I go into the temple or whatever He did. He wanted to stand there with a truthful heart and give God what He was looking for. You delight in truth in the inner being. Nothing is nothing better, brothers and sisters, than to be truthful before the Lord, He knows, anyhow, amen. How many know when Jesus told the woman, Go get your husband, he knew she didn't have one? That wasn't a surprise to him, but He was helping her, He was helping her come to truth, and praise God for that. That woman's life was changed that day, she drank of a water, and she will never be thirsty again because she was willing to face the truth and acknowledge it before Jesus. She became a, a true worshiper. And David, later on in that psalm, he goes, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. And that seems so strange because God did delight in sacrifice. God called for sacrifice, but David knew it was more than that. It's it's more than me just bringing a bull or bringing an ox and laying it down on the altar because I can do that and never really see my heart change. I can do it because it's commanded, oh, here's the bull. That was my prized bull too. Boom, take it, Lord, and almost do it that way. But David said, you will not delight in sacrifice or, or else I would give it. I mean, in some ways, I think David had some understanding of New Testament principles I mean i don 't know how, how else to say it. You will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it if that's, if that's really what you wanted, Lord, I would bring that. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. And then he said, here 's the true sacrifice: the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. See, that's what God's looking for. To worship in spirit and truth. That our spirit is contrite, it's broken. He doesn't want us just going through the motions. It's so easy to go through the motions and, and almost we're like on autopilot. Oh yeah, it's time to go to church, time to worship, time to I gotta do, that, I gotta do that, he says, I'm looking for truth and spirit. That's what I'm looking for. That's what he's seeking. Those kinds of worshipers. And then this last scripture, when he had removed him, Saul, as king, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. I love that's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because that's what God's looking for, isn't it? David, we know he had you know, he had a history, just like we all have a history. But the testimony of God about David's life is he was the man after my heart. And that's what I want to be. That's what I want you to be. A person after God's heart. And I tell you, man, if if the Lord comes to you and he he speaks truth in a way that seems to cut deep into your soul, rejoice in that day because he's given you some living water. He's given you some water you'll never thirst again. We sometimes bristle at the correction of the Lord. We, we push back on it. and We don't like to be corrected. We don't like to be confronted about areas of sin or untruth in our life, and yet it is the way. It, that is the way toward Life, reproofs of instruction are the ways of life, the Bible says. I tell you, I I bet you when you meet this woman in heaven, the Samaritan woman, and you ask her, what do you think about Jesus confronting you about your sin? You know what she's going to tell you? It's one of the best days of my life. If you talk to David about, hey, what, what did you think about the prophet coming in and telling you you're the man? It's one of the best days of his life because it brought him around to worshiping God in truth. In truth. Truth in his spirit, which is what the Father is seeking. So I'd like you to stand with me if you would and think about your own life. What's the Lord speaking to you? You know, when he does come, when he speaks to you, receive it. When he tries to bring correction to our lives, be blessed. Be blessed with it because he's he's calling you to be a true worshiper, which is so awesome. It's what God is seeking. Don't let your Christian faith just be one of going through the motions. Let it be one of a broken and contrite heart, one that stands in truth before the Lord. So, Father, I pray that in this coming year we would... Set our heart to be true worshipers. Father, that we would seek truth in the inner parts. We would be open to you, Lord. Open to your loving correction of our lives because of your desire to draw us into that relationship of worshiping and serving. That we would be able to be bowing before you, Lord, like a dog licking the hand of its master. But we can only do that on the basis of truth, on the basis of a true heart. And so, Lord, change us. Let us us not withhold or withstand the correction of the Lord. But be willing, willing participants in this restorative process as you draw us to become worshipers of God. I ask you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen.